Matthew 13. And so if you want to turn to there, click to there. Uh, if you're using the Bible on the pew, this is on page 818, uh, if you want to find it there. Uh, while you're turning to that, I want to show you some pictures and tell you about some experiences that my family and I had both last year and this year. Uh, last month, we were able to go to Universal Studios and really grateful to be able to do that. Again, thank you so much just for making that possible. Um, last year, we were able to go to Disney Hollywood Studios. And uh, while last month when we were in Universal Studios, we got to visit Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. Last year when we were in Hollywood Studios, we got to visit Galaxy's Edge. And so for those of you who know me, I'm a slight Star Wars fan. And so when we, we walk around this corner and the Millennium Falcon is there, like there's just this moment where I was just in awe, like... It's kind of hard, like it was amazing, and you just kind of walk into this place, and this other ships and stuff that they had kind of around, and just seeing the characters, like, I, you couldn't really tell who was the kid and who was the adult as me and my kids were walking around, so it was really cool. Um, this last, last time, we got to go, like I said, into Universal Studios, and we got to go into some of the Harry Potter stuff, so you turn this corner, and there's this huge Hogwarts castle right there, and then other place, you're going into Hogsmeade, and you're going to this village, and... Um, well, I think there's one more picture right there, and so you see the bank and everything. I mean, as we're walking around in both situations, it felt like we, and I'm just letting you know, I don't get any monetary thing for sharing these pictures or anything, like no deal with Disney. Um, in both situations, it felt like we were entering into another world. Like you stepped out of our country and culture, and you were transported to another country and culture. I bring this up because we are starting a series today that will lead us up to Easter on the parables of Jesus. And the parables of Jesus are like these two experiences. The parables of Jesus give us a glimpse of another world. It is Jesus taking us into and giving us a glimpse of a different country and a different culture, the kingdom of God saying, here, enter into this. This is what this is like, and it's different than what you know, and it's definitely different than what you probably expected. He says in Matthew 4, 17, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is inviting people to enter into his kingdom, to life with him, and the parables show what that is like, what that life is described as, what the values of it are, what the ethics are that guide people in their daily life. If Jesus is saying, turn away from all the life that you've known and all the things that you pursue and all of that and come to life as it should be, come unto life as you're longing for, come into my kingdom, then the parables are these glimpses of entering in to a different world. And so we're going to be looking at these from now up until Easter. Before we jump into the first one, I know that Andrew just prayed for us for uh, Ukraine, but I want to just pray again as we go into this message that God would speak to our hearts as we enter into these glimpses of the kingdom and see how we fit within it. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you are present. We thank you so much for your love for us. Just singing about that, God, you're the, the immense love that you have for each and every one of us that we can't even fully comprehend the immensity of your love and pursuit of us. God, as we think about what's going on in our own hearts, you know better than we do. The things that we're carrying, the things that we're processing, the things that we're stressed about, things we're hopeful for. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. 
I pray that you would show us our hearts this morning. As we open up your words, pray, Spirit, you would move in this place and you would say to us the things we need to hear. Help us to use our ears and our hearts this morning, God. In your name we pray, amen. Um, I take my kids to school every morning. We have to drive down uh, Lakeshore Drive and kind of coming back up the same way. In the last couple of days, last week or so, we've been looking at all the trees trying to find out which ones have buds on them. Uh, The leaves are coming. The green is coming. And it's only a matter of time that we're also going to see flowers. Uh, Maybe those flowers were planted in the fall. Maybe people are going to be planting flowers over the next few weeks. But for the seeds to take, for us to see those flowers, you have to have good soil. Seeds won't grow in just any kind of dirt. Some soil will actually kill seeds immediately. They have no chance. The condition of the dirt matters if seeds are going to grow in it. The condition of the soil, the condition of the dirt matters if seeds are going to grow in it. God communicates truth to us through the scriptures. The creator of the universe, who like we said and and sang this morning, who loves you more than you can comprehend, wants you to hear from him. God wants you to hear him. He wants you to understand what he is communicating. He is not a silent, hiding God. The message of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, is central to our faith. And so it's important to receive and understand the word of God. If we liken the word of God to seeds, though, our hearts are the dirt that the word of God gets planted in. And just like seeds being planted over the course of the next few weeks, the condition of our hearts matters if the seeds of the word are going to grow within it. The condition of your heart will either hinder that process or invite it to happen. If we are going to understand what the kingdom is like, if we're going to receive what God has for us over these next few weeks or any time, if we're going to grasp what the kingdom is like, then our hearts must receive, be receptive to the word of God. And so how is your heart toward the word this morning? When you think of hearing the word of God, is your heart receptive to that? That is what this first parable that we're going to look at is all about this morning. And so Jesus tells a parable about four different types of dirt. Look at the beginning of chapter 13 in Matthew. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down, and while the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Like I said, this parable 
is all about different kinds of dirt. The sower is spreading seeds, but not all of the different types of soil are conducive to seeds growing. Each type of dirt receives the, receives the seeds. Every, the, word is, every, the word is getting to every heart, and every heart is able to receive the word. But the question is, is what does our hearts do once we receive it? Each soil reflects a possibility of what the condition of our hearts can be like. They are reflective of what somebody may or may not do receiving the word of God. And in verse 18, Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. And then he starts explaining what each of these different soils is. And the first one, kind of going through all four, the first one, he says, is the hard path. This is the heart that doesn't even try. The hard path. He says, And he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. In verse 19, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. You know, you think about planting seeds. Ground that is hardened because of a Chicago winter would not give seeds a chance. There is no way that the seeds would get down to the depth that they need to get down to. They would just sit on top, and the seeds would then be able to be easily taken by birds or squirrels or, let's be honest, rats. The ground must be thawed. It must be, some of you know exactly what I'm saying. The the ground must be thawed. It must be worked on so that the seeds can get through the hardness and be able to grow. Like the hard ground on this path, this is talking about a hard heart. The idea of the one does not understand, it doesn't mean that there's a lack of intellectual comprehension. It's not saying they don't get it. It's not like somebody who would look at an old Far Side cartoon, read it, and go, I don't get what's being said here. Or you would hear me talk about an old Far Side cartoon and go, I don't know what you're talking about. There's not an intellectual comprehension. That's not what he's talking about here. Think about talking to somebody who is on their phone, and you're trying to talk to them, but all you're getting out of them, don't point at nudge people or elbow people or point. Just focus on yourself right now, right here. You're talking to somebody and they're not even trying to hear, but you might get a uh-huh out of them, but they're just totally absorbed. They're not even trying to grasp what you're saying. They're not trying to tune in and hear you, let alone respond to the words you're saying. That's the heart that's depicted here. That gets to the idea of the heart. At best, The hard heart is flippant and not even trying to receive the seed. At worst, it is refusing to receive it. Either way, the word doesn't have a chance in a hard heart because it's not being given a chance in a hard heart. Ephesians chapter 4 says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of of their hearts. Well, what can cause a hard heart? One of the things that can cause our hearts to become hardened is hurt. We become hurt by maybe relationships or the church or maybe life experiences in general. 
And we don't process those things. We don't deal with those things. We don't find healing in those things. And that hurt festers. And unattended to hurt can harden our hearts. Bitterness or lack of forgiveness towards somebody can harden our hearts. We're still holding on to something against somebody else. Pride can harden our hearts. Thinking I'm just fine and no one's going to tell me what to do, that's a hard heart speaking. Unrepentant sin, not acknowledging struggles or taking them to the Lord, that can produce a hard heart. When we allow these things to keep going, when we allow these things to exist within us, they harden our hearts and we're not able to receive the word of God. Hard soil needs to be broken up. It needs to be softened. It needs to be tended to, tilled, compost added. It needs to be addressed. Hurt, bitterness, pride, unrepentant sin, these need to be addressed as well. They need to be tilled. They need to be dealt with. Because healing can be found. Forgiveness can be embraced. Your hard heart can be softened. And so you have to be honest this morning. Do you have a hard heart? Are you projecting anger, frustration, or rejection onto God because of something else that's going on underneath? What are you not wanting to deal with? And it's just easier to reject God or faith or others than dealing with that thing underneath. We need to bring those things to the Lord. We need to find healing. We need to find forgiveness. And that might mean conversation with somebody. That might mean getting encouragement from others. That might mean good counseling for a little while. But if your heart is hard, do not allow that to continue. Don't do that to yourself and rob yourself of the joy of healing and what God wants to do in your life. And again, I'm not saying in those things that the hurt isn't justified. I'm not saying that the pain isn't justified. But we, find, we need to find healing in those things. We need to bring those things to the Lord because if they're left undealt with, they will harden our hearts. And so we need to not have a hard heart, but allow God to show us the reality of what's going on within us. It says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let that be your prayer as you go into this next week. God, show me me. Where are the places that my heart is hard? And because of that, I'm making it, I'm not rejecting God. Passive-aggressively, you might be. Making excuses for not being with him, spending time with him, being in the community of faith. We can reject him and let that hard heart come out, not even realizing we're doing it. And so pray that this week. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. God, show me my heart and what needs to be tended to. The first soil, the hard heart, doesn't even try. And we need to soften our hearts so we can try to receive the word of God. The second soil that Jesus talks about is the rocky ground. 
This is the heart with no depth. It says in verse 5, this is where he first mentions it, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Jesus then explains it in verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Seeds have to get down into the ground to take root. Scholar, uh, African scholar Joe Capolio while talking about this part of the parable, he shares about the ilupili. Ro helped me learn how to pronounce these things. So if anybody knows how they're properly pronounced and I'm doing it wrong, it's my fault, not Ro's. So I just want to make sure that we acknowledge that. The, the ilupili is the side of a hill where there is a thin, thin scraping of soil on top of hard rock. There's a little bit of soil and then it's just hard and rock underneath. And the seed can sprout there. It can come up, but it doesn't have depth. The roots don't get down deep. It looks like growth could be happening, but it's really superficial. There's no roots to get the nourishment. There's no roots to, get the, to hold the plant firm when storms come. This dirt depicts a shallow heart. This dirt depicts a heart that has no depth. Like that path, it hears the word of God, but it's really only enjoying the experience of faith. It doesn't absorb the word. It doesn't take, take it in and take ownership of the message of the word of God. The word of God is only a surface thing with this person. The word of God isn't something taking root in them. What's the difference between engaging the word and engaging in faith in shallow ways versus taking root ways? Well, the shallow connection with the word is having a Bible at home or a Bible app on your phone, but they're just there. Taking root is spending regular time taking in the word of God. Shallow is merely reading your Bible so that you can check the box to say that you did it. Taking root is putting in effort to understand what the Word of God is saying. Shallow is learning information about and facts about the Bible. Taking root is implementing the message of the Bible into who you are in your daily life. Shallow is only talking about Jesus generally. Taking root is asking, how does Jesus impact every aspect of my life and my interaction with the culture? Shallow is being part of a faith community when it's convenient or there's a problem. Taking root is becoming part of a faith community by building relationships and growing. You and I are not meant to have a superficial, shallow faith. Jesus is supposed to be your close brother, not your acquaintance. You are meant to have a thriving relationship with God. You are meant to grow more like Jesus and to be part of what God is doing in the world. And don't forget, hard times will come. Difficulty will come. The Word of God teaches us what to expect 
in this life, what God is trying to do, what our identity is, how we engage the world. But when the challenges come, when the difficulties come, if we don't have the Word of God rooted in our lives, then we will be easily swayed to give up on God and on His Word. And specifically when Jesus talks about that part, he says that when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, if we don't have the word of God rooted in who we are, understanding it, implementing it, empowering our identity, then with who you are as a follower of Christ is challenged, when your faith and obedience to the Lord is challenged, When you have to make a decision as far as, am I going to do what the culture is doing in this way? Or am I going to be a kingdom person like I'm called to? If there's no roots, you're always going to take the easy way out and not the difficult path of obedience in Jesus. And how often do people turn away with all of these reasons when it comes down to, it's just a lot easier to not do it. It's a lot easier to fake it or to give up than to do the difficult thing of being obedient, faithful followers of Jesus. It says in Colossians 2, Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Here's the way to think about this. Ask yourself, Is the word of God, is your faith something that you use to accessorize your life or is it the source of life for you? You know, know, people, you, you have your scarves, you have your hats, you have, we accessorize our outfits with whatever, but then you kind of change outfits and then things different change. You don't have that on all the time. A lot of times that's what we do with our faith. It's just something that we accessorize our life from time to time when we're in certain situations or around certain people. That's a shallow faith. That is not the way it was meant to be. Jesus did not do everything that he did and he did not call you into a life that you can just carry him around in certain situations and fit in with other religious people. Jesus came to be the source of our life, the defining reality of our life, our identity We were not called to a shallow existence in him. We have to allow the word of God to take root, to go deep into our lives. So ask yourself, oh, I don't have a hard heart. Hard heart? I mean, my heart's soft. I want to receive the word, but is it taking root? Do you just like the Sunday experience? Do you just like having snacks with friends and they like Jesus and you like Jesus? This is cool. Or is it going into the depth of who you are? Because that's taking root. That's not being a shallow Christian. We were called to not have uh, shallow hearts, but hearts of depth with the word of the Lord. The third dirt that Jesus talks about is the seeds went amongst the thorns. And amongst the thorns, this is the distracted heart. The distracted heart. It says in verse 7, Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 22, As for what was sown among the thorns, Jesus says, This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. 
That same African scholar, he describes the Pachisano. I I butchered it, didn't I? That's all me. It's not Ro. She's laughing at me right here. So that, whatever, however you pronounce it, is the area where the rubbish in the community was dumped. This area often contains material that makes very good compost, the scholar says. In the, rains, all sorts, in, in the rains, all sorts of things grow there, including mango and pumpkin seedlings among the strong weeds. But because no one bothers to weed the area, because it's a dump, the good seed often does not survive amongst the weeds and the garbage. That's the type of soil Jesus is talking about here. The weeds choke out the plants and the crops, and in turn, they're ruined. The plants can't grow because there's so many other things present which affects their growth. The heart receives the word. It wants to receive the word. It's trying to understand, but it's distracted. The faith and the word, faith and the word of God is not a priority. It's one thing amongst many. This heart is distracted by pleasure, by wealth, by success, by the cares of this life. Not bad things necessarily, but they are not meant to be identifying priorities as far as who we are. These things are not meant to take up our hearts. These things are not meant to define us. And when these things define us, they will choke out our faith. When these things become as important in our hearts as God it should be, then they are going to distract us, distract us from receiving the word and implementing it into our lives. Competing voices that we allow to speak in our hearts are going to drown out the voice of God. And so we have to be honest here because to me, this one really hits home for our community. Are our hearts distracted or do we have pure hearts toward God? One of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, those who are pure of heart will see God. Well, why are those who are pure of heart see God? Because nothing else is in the way. Nothing else is in their hearts. Nothing else is distracting. Nothing else is competing. And because only God is in their hearts, then they can interact and see and experience God. Do you have a pure heart? Where only God is allowed to take up residence and what defines you? Are there other things there? And in our context, are we pursuing so many things that we don't need? Are we trying to get more and more, impress others, have the latest and the greatest, keep up the image with the right brands and the right experiences and the right house and the right car and all those different things? Again, it isn't that those things are bad, but if they are your life's pursuit, if they have the primary seat of your heart, then there is a problem. Because those things are not meant to identify us. Your identity should be the Lord Jesus. It says in Matthew 16, 28, Jesus said, What will it profit a person if they gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? When there are competing voices for your soul, the word of God is going to drown, be drowned out. You're not going to hear what God has for you. You're not going to hear how he wants to guide you and, and be with you and, and help you understand how to live this life. And in that, we would be more susceptible to going with the culture, taking on values that are not the kingdom of God, and even in turn eventually rejecting him. Is your heart distracted right now? 
Do you put so much time into your career, into your degree, into your whatever the thing is, that your relationship with God is secondary at best, but only once in a while, more than anything? Again, it doesn't mean don't pursue those things. It doesn't mean those things are bad. But if they're more than Jesus is in your life, then you're making them bad. Jesus has to be first. And we have to remove the thorns. We have to remove the distractions. There's hard, a hard heart. There's a shallow heart. There's a distracted heart. But then the last dirt that Jesus talks about is the good soil. The receptive heart. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let them hear. Verse 23, Jesus says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Again, not just intellectually grasping it, but taking ownership of it, implementing it, following what Jesus says. This one indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another 30. The harvest here isn't talking about financial gain or anything earthly. It's talking about the life that we have with Jesus, the life of the kingdom that is produced in us. When someone is open to hearing and understanding the word of God, when they receive it and confess Jesus as Lord, then the kingdom life which Jesus offers us takes root in us and grows. The receptive heart becomes a transformed heart because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of the new identity and the life which he gives us. Walter Brueggemann says this, the word of God that we are without is a promise of sustaining companionship. The word of God that we are without is a summons, a commandment to shape our lives in a neighborly direction. The word of God that we are without is a generative force of hope that calls us to a new possibility. The hard heart, distracted heart, and shallow heart is the one missing these things. But if you take what Brueggemann is saying, Jesus invites us in this parable to receive the promise of a sustained companionship. To admit we are not going through life alone. Jesus invites us in this parable to receive the summons to shape our lives in a way that serves others, in the way that, in the way that God has served us. In this parable, God invites us to receive the hope that only he can give, and the new life that he offers. Jesus is offering us life through his word. We have to be willing to receive that. Is your heart receptive to the word of God today? Are you open to hearing what he has for you? Are you open to what he's offering you? How is your heart this morning? And we skipped the middle portion of this section in Matthew 13. It says in verse 11, Jesus said, his disciples asked him, why are you talking to us in these stories? Why are you sharing about these parables? And Jesus replied to them, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, but they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen and understand. I think scholar N.T. Wright explains this perfectly when he says this. 
Parables then aren't simply nice, friendly illustrations designed to help people get their minds around deep, abstract truth. In fact, the truth they speak of isn't abstract at all. It's what God is doing personally, bodily, in Jesus and his work, and what God will do through his death and resurrection. God is indeed sowing Israel again, planting his people once more through Jesus, but it doesn't look like what most people were expecting. Adding to this, Eugene Peterson says, the parable is a form of speech that has a style of its own. It's a way of saying something that requires the imagination, imaginative participation of the listener. A parable involves the hearer. You take what both of these scholars are saying, and we've, we've heard the story of the sower. We hear Jesus' words are here, and we have to ask ourselves, which one of these grounds are we? Which one of these dirts are you? Where is your heart in this story? Because no one is excluded within this. We are part of what Jesus is talking about. This isn't meant to be a cute story about some sowing seeds so that those who have a green thumb can walk away and go, oh, that was cool to talk about. This story is challenging us. And for some of us, like we've never been challenged before, what is going on in your heart? There's a scene in the, again, old movie, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, where this bad guy priest reaches into a guy's chest and pulls out his heart and holds it up. Let me show you. No, I'm not going to show you the scene right now. <laughs> but he's just holding the guy's heart up right in front of him. I'm not going to show it. Just let me clarify that. But the parables, that's what Jesus is doing. Where's your heart in here? Is your heart hard? Is your heart hardened? Again, whether it's because of church experiences or life experiences or whatever that might be, is your heart hardened where you're like, I don't want anything to do with this God stuff? Well, the hardness of your heart is covering up something underneath that needs to be dealt with. You are robbing yourself of the joy that God wants to give you because of that hard heart. Is your heart shallow? where you're just kind of doing the superficial thing and not allowing God to be deep within who you are, to define you, to give you a new identity? Is your heart distracted, where you're pursuing so many different things and not the one who is pursuing you? Where is your heart? Because God wants it to be receptive. God wants you to give him a chance. God wants you to try to understand God wants you to see this life that he has for you and to receive it. Where is your heart? He says in Romans 10, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and confesses and is saved. The word is near you. The truth is here. Are you going to receive what Jesus has for you? Are you going to say, be Lord of my life? Because I can't be a good Lord and none of this stuff in this world can be a good Lord. I need to follow the one who died for me to save me, to bring me home to God, who gives me a new identity based in who he is and not anything that I could come up with who gives my heart everything that it longs for. 
If you've never put your faith in Jesus, let today be the day that you receive the word, that you trust him for life. And if you haven't done that, if, what's going on in your heart? Be honest about that. It's hardened. It's shallow. It's distracted. And all I can ask you within that is to be honest about these things, bring those to the Lord. But I want to challenge you to stick with us through these next few weeks as we go through these stories. That's why we started with this one, is to be able to say, God wants to speak to us. We need to be receptive to what he has to say. So be with us, be with us these next few weeks to hear what he has to say for you and learn more about this life that he is offering you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you pursue us. We thank you, God, for your death on the cross, for taking our sin upon you, for rising from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, so that we can have new life. We thank you for the good news. We thank you for the good news that you are alive and you want to give us life. God, I pray that you would help us to be honest about the condition of our hearts. God, I pray that you would penetrate hard hearts with healing, with forgiveness. I pray that you would take shallow hearts to a depth they've never been before. I pray you would clear out the distractions of the distracted heart. God, give us receptive hearts toward you. I pray you be with us in the weeks to come as we come back to the parables and these glimpses of the kingdom that we would, make the, we would become kingdom people and grow within kingdom life. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.